0: So Hindu, a podcast brought to you by the Hindu American Foundation. I'm Matt McDermott. For this episode, we've got something a little bit different, and it's a two-part episode. This time, Dr. Indu Viswanathan, who's been a guest on the show twice, is on the other side of the interviewing equation. She's speaking with a young Hindu man who has a unique and important story to tell. Keshav was raised Hindu and began questioning his beliefs, to the point that he converted to Islam, and began publicly making stereotypical Hindu-phobic comments and denouncing India. But Keshav had a change of heart and mind and came back to Hinduism, only to receive threats for leaving Islam. At his request, for reasons of anonymity and protecting his safety, we're calling him Keshav and disguising his voice. Here we go.
1: I am honored to be here today with Keshav, a 19-year-old who recently made the bold and thoughtful decision to share his story with the world. We're going to be using the name Keshav today, and it is a pseudonym to, to protect his identity. So welcome, Keshav, I'm really happy to be speaking here with you today. Can you describe your early experiences with Hinduism and your family's religious practices?
2: Yeah. So growing up in a very um, devout um, you know, Hindu family, um, part of what really um, part of um, part of me growing up, um, I remember going to mandir every Sunday. And uh, part of going to there, I was taught a lot of things from an early childhood, um, just the basic fundamental principles of Hinduism. And um, obviously growing up, I felt like, you know, it was more of me following what my parents did, what my peers did. Um, so I never really understood Hinduism. I never really grasped Hinduism from a very young age. It was just um, more so of me following what the people around me were doing. Um, And I think growing up in a very, um, growing up in a very religious environment that I was in, I remember um, doing puja every morning and I wouldn't necessarily know um, why I was doing particular things, but I would just know that my parents were doing it. So I would do it as well. Um, And that was really, um, you know, that was really what um, what kind of kept me in line with my religious practices and what really um, kept me in line with my faith. Um, and it was a big part of uh, me growing up in a household where we really, um, we really put, we really put an emphasis on having faith and, you know, being religious.
1: so. So, um, and you, you may have answered this question already, but when you were growing up, did you have a strong sense that your culture and religious identity was Hindu or Hindu American? Like you strongly identified with that?
2: yes from a very young age um i like i was strong i strongly identified as a hindu because um that's what i was i was brought up in a hindu household um and i was brought up in like samper where we really um we really we really um have a deep spiritual connection um you know with the hindu faith so from a very young age i was thought to um you know identify as a proud and devout hindu and make sure that I'm not um, I'm not ashamed to tell everybody around me that I was a practicing Hindu. So that was from a very young age, that was something that was already embedded in my mind.
1: And, and did you do that? Did you talk about being Hindu with your peers who maybe weren't Hindu?
2: Yes, from a very young age, um, I had a lot of friends who were Christian, I had a lot of friends who were Muslim, and I told them I'm a practicing Hindu, this is what we believe and this is what we do.
1: And I don't know if you remember this, but when you were younger, when you were talking to your friends about those things, what kind of things did you say to them? How did you describe what Hinduism meant to you or what it meant to be Hindu?
2: Yeah, so obviously um, not knowing the purpose of why we do things played a big part in um, why I didn't really understand my religion as much as I thought I did. So whenever I had to explain what I did in my faith to other people, they wouldn't really understand because I would give them a broad description of what we do rather than telling them why we did the things that we did. So I think that was a big part um, in my struggles and my continued struggle to really, um, to really understand the point um, of, a, of a religion, not only Hinduism, but um, the, um, the, the, the role that religion plays in uh, my life. And so um, I think growing up, I didn't really understand why we did things. Uh, I didn't really understand why we did particular things, especially in my Sampradaya. So explaining it to people um, was kind of difficult because they would ask why we did the things that we did. And I wouldn't be able to explain that to them because I was never really thought about why we did things uh, that we did.
1: And when you came across you know, these moments, for instance, when you were trying to explain something and realized that you couldn't, Um, Did you find yourself going to your parents or other people in your community, in your samper and asking them questions about why?
2: Um, So back then, I wouldn't really do that. Um, Nowadays, I do. I ask a lot of questions. um, And as I, you know, continue to seek for the truth, um, I realize that asking questions is very important. And that's something that I never did in the past, which is a decision that I regret, so
1: Could you share the moment or maybe it's an event or a bunch of events that started to change your perspective on your faith and identity?
2: Yes. Um, So there was a chain of events that really um, started to change the way that I thought about Hinduism. I think one important aspect of that was the people that I'm around, my immediate friend group, um, the majority of that being Muslim. And so they would tell me what they do in their faith and what they do in their religion and they would send me videos um, of certain um, of certain, like you know, scholars in um, their religion talking about um, Islam in comparison with other religions, um, Abrahamic faiths, and also Hinduism. And so they would try to um, they would explain to me the fundamental principles of Islam, and they would compare those principles with that of Hinduism, and they would try to kind of embed in my mind that Hinduism didn't re- make, didn't really make any sense in its theology and in its philosophy. And as I started, um, as I started listening to them more, and I, started, I started as I started dig- digging a little deeper into Islam, um, I kind of, um, that's, that's what really sparked a lot of questions in my mind. And some questions, is, some questions, for instance, would be, oh, like in Islam, they only worship one God. But in Hinduism. It feels like we're worshiping many and many gods and to to me it didn't sound logical in my mind and another question um that you know another question that really sparked was in islam they believe in one god they are a monotheistic religion in hinduism we believe in many gods and i feel like this fund these fundamental um these fundamental pillars of hinduism that i feel like i should have learned from a very young age kind of sparked these questions in my mind and it sparked it sparked a doubt in my mind about whether i've really been following something that was wrong fundamentally wrong and whether i had to divert or whether i had to really get back on the um get back on the right path and i felt as if my faith or my religion was um not the religion that i should be following so when i looked to when i looked into islam um, everything made sense to me because they made it sound so coherent and so logical in a sense where I thought that, you know, this is the religion that I should be following because to me, it sounds right. In my mind, it sounds right. To be honest, like, I don't think it sounded right from my heart because I never had a spiritual connection, even when I did accept Islam. But my mind was telling me that, oh, this sounds right. This sounds right. Like, you know, this this is probably the religion that you should be following ideally. Um, and so, as i kept asking more and more and more questions it all made sense to me so i was like um so rather than um you know rather than really taking my time and trying to um understand um islam um a little more than i did i felt like um i felt as if i you know i felt i felt as if i had to like you know kind of rush into um establishing a connection with the religion because um a lot of the a lot of the muslims around me would tell me that you know i was on the wrong path i had to get myself on the right path before it was too late for me so i think that was a big part of why i kind of forced myself to detach myself from hinduism the little the connection the little connection that i had left with my sampradaya and with hinduism i felt as if i had to detach myself um completely and that's what i was also being told um if i wanted to become a devout muslim i had to completely detach myself from hinduism and de- and detach myself with Everything that was related to Hinduism.
0: Hmm.
1: Wow, that's really powerful. I can almost feel like this pressure that you were feeling—that this was urgent, like the sense of urgency that you need to do this, and that you know if you don't do it, there are consequences for you. Yes. Um, if you, I don't know if you remember, but but what started your friends to, to like what what instigated them to start sharing these videos with you? What was the opening? that they felt like they could be sharing these videos or this information
2: with you? Yeah, so um, the way that um, this all really started was me talking about religion. And I was um, and obviously over the coming years, um, I felt like I was getting a little bit less religious than I was in the future. And part of me was, um, you know, questioning things, questioning rituals and traditions in Hinduism. And so um, the topic of religion um, sparked something completely different. Uh, me talking about why, um, you know, I'm not really a religious person. I'm not really um, in line with my faith. And I felt as if they took that as something that they could start with and something that they could use to really um, to really kind of take advantage of me because um, they knew that I wasn't really big on my faith. So I felt like that was one starting point that they saw And for me to really um, and for them to really try to embed this idea in my mind that I was following the wrong faith. So part of what really sparked this was, um, you know, me communicating with them about the fact that I wasn't really, you know, in line with my faith. And that's what they really took advantage of. And so they started sending me. um, It was obviously um, it started very, very, very low. It was more so explaining the theology and philosophy of Islam. And then, um, you know, telling me to read the Quran, okay? And then telling me to, um, and then sending me videos eventually, um, comparative religion analysis videos. Um. And so, um, obviously, having watched these videos, um, that's really what—that's um, really what sparked even more questions in my mind. And um, I would go back and I would ask them, you know, questions. Um, about Islam after having watched these videos because I couldn't fully um, understand what was actually being said. But they would tell me, you know, this is what we believe in Islam, and um, they would kind of, um, they would kind of tell me what they believe in Islam, and they would, you know, they would um, tell me what we believe in Hinduism, and they would say that, you know, how could this make sense compared to what we believe? And um, it's kind of like at times they would kind of make a mockery out of Hinduism. They would kind of make a mockery out of the entire faith. They would explain to me why Islam is a logical religion on a larger scale. And they would talk about how Islam is the one and only religion that's going to exist for generations and generations and generations after time. And they would tell me why me being a Hindu wouldn't practically um, do anything for me because Hinduism in itself was a very contra- um, was a very contradicting um, religion And there was no way for me to really be a devout Hindu and for um, for me to really follow my faith. Um, And that's that's um, these are things that they've been like, you know, that they try to um, embed in my mind. And obviously, um, having listened to all of this, it kind of um, it kind of like, you know, it sparked a big doubt in my mind about whether um, I was following, you know, a legitimate religion. And so that's really what, you know, that's really what caused everything.
1: Would you say it's fair to say that you had, you were expressing these doubts you had about your own religiosity as a Hindu, uh, thinking that you were sharing with friends who would receive that with sort of sincerely and, and maybe help you navigate it. Were you taken aback when you experienced them taking advantage of your vulnerability or your sharing of your vulnerability? Did that surprise you?
2: No, to be honest. It kind of baffled me. I wasn't really um, taken back, nor was I really surprised because in my mind, I thought that, you know, and at this time I was kind of thinking about it from my mind. I was trying to try to connect the dots together rather than really thinking about it from my heart, which, uh, you know, which I still regret. And so I thought, yeah, maybe they're trying to put me on the right track. They genuinely care about me. They're my friends. maybe they're trying to really enact some meaningful change in my life. Maybe they see me struggling mentally and, you know, they want to, um, they want to do something. They want, they want to do something for me. They want to put something in my life that could really help me. Um, and so I, at the time I was not taken back, um, or surprised by, um, the things that they were telling me.
1: Yeah. And these were friends from school, from social media. How did you know these folks?
2: Yeah, so um, some friends from school and some friends that I had on social media, um, some mutual friends as well.
1: Mm, okay, and these are people that you had spent some time. These are not new people in your life. These no, are people no, that no. you had you had interacted with for, for yes. some time.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. Um, do you remember if there were any specific practices that you didn't understand in Hinduism that made you question?
2: Yes. There were were a lot of practices, but some in particular that, you know, um, sparked really big doubts in my mind. One being idol worship. I didn't understand why we worshiped Murtis. um, And it never really made sense to me um, growing up. But I realized that as a child, I never questioned these practices. But as I grew up more and more, I um, I was really like, why are we worshiping Murtis? Because, you know, it didn't sound... It didn't sound right to me, nor did it sound logical to me. And so um, obviously having questioned idol worship, I looked at it from the Islamic perspective and I was like, yeah, like the way that these guys pray, they don't pray to Murtis, they don't pray to idols. This, you know, looks more right. This sounds more right. Um, And so that's really what um, that that's that's a question that um, that that was a question that was embedded in my mind. Another um question that was you know on my mind and still is on my mind, um, the question of Hinduism's philosophy and theology, which is um whether we are a monotheistic religion, whether we are a polytheistic religion, or whether we are a henotheistic religion. And this is obviously still a debate among many Hindus. But I for me, right, um, a monotheistic religion sounded ideal to me because for me, um obviously. Having, um, I've, I've never questioned the idea of believing in a higher power, in a God. And I always knew that there was like, you know, there was something, um, there was some creator in the universe. Even when I had kind of stemmed away from my religious practices as a Hindu, I always believed in the existence of God. And so in Hinduism, the perception of God and the idea of God, what we believe, who we believe God is, it kind of confused me because Hinduism in practice right it it looks like we are a polytheistic religion because we worship many deities many devtas many goddesses and that never made sense to me um for me um i thought you know we should only worship one but who is that one god because many sampradays believe that that one god that one lord is different some people believe it's krishna some people believe it's vishnu some people believe it's um you know some people believe it's ganesh hanuman Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, for me, it never made sense, right? In Islam, they worship only one, and you know they were um they have a fundamental um they have a fundamental um concept in Islam where they are a strictly monotheistic religion. So that that sounded right to me. It made sense to me, and so having compared um, the practices in Hinduism to the practices in Islam, Islam just made a lot more sense to me in my mind. And part of that was also, um, you know, people telling me, you know, about how like, um, you know, about how Islam is strictly a monotheistic religion. I was like, all right, this sounds right to me because, um, you know, it made sense in my head. Um, and that's, you know, that's really, that's really um, what, you know, that's really what pushed me a step further.
1: So it sounds like your friends were really picking up on what what you were doubtful about and they They gave you exactly the type of information that, you know, would would make Islam seem like a good way forward for you in terms of religion, that that they knew exactly where to meet you, um, how to answer your doubts. And I think it's really powerful and interesting that you keep referencing this sort of divide between your what was happening in your intellect or your mind and that but your heart maybe was saying something else to you. Um, Do you remember what your heart was saying? during this time
2: yeah so i have a very strong um spiritual connection with hinduism part of that was me being part of um, a sampradaya and um i had a, I have a very strong connection with my deceased guru who passed away um a couple of years ago and so for me right it was all about kind of holding that connection And when I was being told that I had to completely detach myself and completely get rid of these connections, in my mind it didn't sound. For my heart, it didn't sound right. In my mind, it sounded right. It sounded like you know a practical thing to do when trying to connect myself with another religion. But for my my heart was telling me a completely different thing. And so, obviously, um, having this connection, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to let go of this connection, regardless of the circumstance. So. Part of me um really questioned what I was getting myself into and part of me really questioned the things that I was being told. but I felt like as if I, I felt like as if I was pushing away these questions and I was trying to force myself into um into kind of establishing this mentality, this unideal mentality that I didn't really want to have in the first place
1: uh, so so your friends are you know pressuring you, to convert how how old are you at this time when all this is happening
2: um 18 17 ish yeah
1: okay so not not that long ago a couple years ago
2: yeah yeah hardly a year ago
1: yeah wow um and and so they're they're pressuring you to convert um what else is happening in your life at that time you were still in high school maybe a senior in high school
2: yes i was a senior in high school um And I was also kind of going through a very bad phase in my life. So I was looking for guidance and that's you know that's part of what really um, that's part of really um, that's part of what really pushed me forward and um, me forcing myself to take steps that I thought I wasn't ready to take at that time.
1: So you're going through this hard time and obviously you know turn to your friends. Is there anyone in the the Hindu part of your life, whether it was your parents or siblings or family members or just anyone, you know, you're part of a Sampradaya, part of the Sangha. Is there anyone that you were turning to for advice from the Hindu perspective about navigating this difficult time in your life?
2: Not really, because to be completely honest, I didn't know any Hindus outside of my Sampradaya. Um, And so I wasn't really, really, um, I wasn't able to establish a social connection with um, a lot of other Hindus around me, I remember in high school um, being around. um, Obviously, we had a large amount of Hindus that went to my high school, but they weren't really um, in line with their faith. A lot of them weren't really that religious and a lot of them. um, They weren't really devout Hindus per se. And so um, it was, you know, I couldn't really have a conversation with anybody um, a lot of other Hindus around me about religion in a sense because it was something that they cared about that much whereas a lot of Muslims um that I grew up with that were around me they were very intact with their faith they were very religious and so they were it was easy to have a conversation with them about uh, about religion um as a whole
1: so okay so now you've you've made the decision to convert can you walk us through that process? What did, what, what was involved? What rituals or actions were involved in your conversion? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So basically um, it's important to note that um, I went, one of my friends um, invited me to a mosque. It was during my prayer time. Um, And he invited me um, to the mosque um, in the evening and not with the uh, like. I went there with the atten- with the intention of not converting because I was not ready to take that big step. I had taken many steps forward, but I was not ready to take such a big step, such a big such a big leap and um, leap in my life. And so, I told him beforehand, "Hey, I'm not ready to convert. I'm not ready to change my religion. Um, just leave it um, as it may be." And um, and when I went to the mosque. He showed me around. Um, the social environment was very nice um, at the mosque. But as I went into the prayer room, I saw the Imams um, and a few people from the Muslim community. They were sitting there and they were ready to take my Shahada. And the Shahada is basically a ritual, um, a few words, Arabic words that you say. And um, that's basically what makes you a Muslim when you recite those words. So, so I see all of them sitting there in a little circle and uh, two or three people standing behind me um, by the exit. Um, and I'm kind of standing there in the middle and it's very awkward. It's just a very awkward um, you know place for me to be in and I and I'm confused. I was like, hey, like you know, why are you guys all like you know like sitting here like this and they were like, we're ready to take your Shada? And I was like, I'm not ready to take my Shada. Who told you that I was ready to take my Shada and my friend, um you know he walks up and he's like you know take your shahada like i think it's time for you to take your shahada and i was like i told you i'm not ready to take my shahada and when the um one imam speaks up and he's like if you don't take your shahada now um they use the word shaitan shaitan is going to stop you um you know which they call satan and i was really confused and as i think of it um, and I keep pleading. I was like, I'm not ready to take my shahada. Like, please give me more time. I appreciate you guys being so excited to welcome me, you know, into your community, but I'm not ready. Like, um, you give, like, please give me some more time. Um, this is a big step I have to take in my life. And I, I just need more time to think about it. And they kept pleading and pleading and pleading, saying that shaitan is stopping me. It's now or never. And so without even really thinking, I was like, all right, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go ahead and take this step, big step in my life. Because if I don't like, you know, maybe they're right. If I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. Maybe this is a, this is the change I need in my life. So let me just do it now. And, you know, really see how Islam changes my life. And so I recite the Shahada and, you know, they welcome me. Um, they give me hugs and, um, you know, they were telling me um, and they were, um, you know, they were They were asking me, you know, a little bit about me, my name, you know, where I come from, what religion I was part of before. And one dark realization that I came to um, after I took my shahada was that they were going around telling everybody that I was once a Hindu. And at the time, I thought, you know, maybe it was just an introductory, you know, remark. Maybe they're trying to, you know, tell people about, like, you know, who I am and where I come from. But I realized that they were going around saying that we have a Hindu convert and they kept going around telling everybody that, you know, Oh, look, a Hindu just converted, a Hindu just converted and people come up to me and they start trying to meet me. And they, they ask me, Hey, is it true that you're really a Hindu convert? And I was like, yeah, it is. But at the, like, you know, at the same time, something deep down was telling me that this wasn't, um, you know, this, this wasn't, um, you know, what this, this isn't what I wanted to, um, this is, this is not what I wanted people to know about me. Um, and so I come to this realization that I was sort of, it felt like I was sort of being paraded around as the Hindu convert, some sort of object that they were using, um, to really, you know, to really, um, kind of, to really kind of, um, take it advantage. I realized that I think I was being taken advantage of, and this realization has kind of, um, you know, it's kind of sparked a really um a really dark um a really dark thought in my mind and it still kind of bothers me to this day about the way that they saw me and the way that they perceived me as so
1: so you're you're you were 18 at this time
2: no i 19
1: you were 19 so yes, this was uh, very recently yeah
2: Yes. Um, very recently. and you
1: know it's It's painful even just to hear this description of you being paraded around. I can't imagine what it felt like for you, especially because it sounds like you were somewhat coerced or ambushed into converting before you were, you were ready. You know, there's a lot of pressure that was put on you. Did anyone know uh, outside of the group of friends that took you, did anyone know that you were going to be visiting the mosque that evening?
2: No, I was scared to tell, um, a lot of people that I knew. Um, and yeah, I did. And I kept it. Um, I kept that a secret from people around me. Um, and I didn't want anybody knowing, um, you know, that I was going to a mosque. Um,
1: what What I mean, were you scared, scared of? What, what did you think would happen if they found out?
2: Being judged and um, being labeled, you know, as um, somebody who you know, I didn't want to, um, something I didn't want to be labeled as, um, and, you know, maybe my parents finding out that's really what scared me the most. So I, you know, kind of kept a close lid on it, even if I was just visiting, you know, even if I did just go with the intention of just visiting.
1: So you go there not anticipating that you're going to convert during this visit. And all of a sudden you have, you, you've taken this, this oath or this vow. How how did
2: you feel? It didn't feel right. Um, and I realized this. It didn't, it did not feel right. At the moment, it felt as if I had just taken a big step in my life, but I realized that it didn't feel right. My heart was telling me something completely different than what my mind was telling me. It did not feel right. It took. It felt like as if I, if I was forced to take a big step in my life that I was not ready to take
1: yeah that sounds very painful, especially because it's not happened in private. It's happening in front of all of these people yeah um and um, and it seems like you've just met these people as well and they've co sort of coerced you into making this this big decision um did they ask you to specific, either during this particular process or in the subsequent days or weeks did they ask you to renounce or do anything vis-a-vis your hinduism your relationship with hinduism specifically since this seems to be something that was important to them right the fact that you had left hinduism for islam did they ask you to do anything
2: yeah so they said they said i had to completely demolish any connection i had with my hindu faith and um they a lot of them used to some, a lot of them engaged in um, Hindu phobic rhetoric on social media. Um, a lot of them would mock practices of Hinduism saying that, you know, they were happy. I got out of a faith that worships um, animals and worships idols and engages in the most ridiculous practices. And I should be relieved that I got out of that. I got out of such a mockery of a faith that, um, you know, That's going to take me to the hellfire. And uh, um, they told me that, you know, Hindus, you know, they drink cow urine, they do, you know, they worship idols, they engage in the most ridiculous practices. And that I should not even, you know, associate myself with, you know, people that do such things. And I should, you know, fix my circle um, and kind of start coming to the mosque more and you know make sure that I'm around more muslims uh, that could be a good influence in my life
1: and and did you do that did you start cutting people out
2: um i don't think i cut people um out of my life with the in, with the intention of doing so i think it was a thing that gradually happened over time but it was not something that i really intended to do
1: um and and how did it feel when you heard you know your your new community members talking about your old community in this way people that you knew in this way what did that sound like to you
2: it didn't sound right it, it didn't sound just it didn't sound like a peace loving community
1: what did it sound like to you then
2: it sounded like bigotry it sounded um it sounded like something that my heart did not want to be part of
1: and had you ever heard that type of talk before when you were a part of the hindu community no about people from other faiths had you ever heard had anyone in the hindu community ever told you to cut people off or that the other paths are wrong you'd never heard anything like that before Uh, nope
2: nothing like that before
1: when when you were a part of the hindu community uh before this conversion how were other religions spoken about
2: so as far as other religions go we never really talked about other um, faiths um abrahamic religions um i think in hinduism it was more um for, in our sampraday it was more um we um, it was more stressed um upon the fact that there was no wrong path no wrong step that we can take in our lives everybody had different belief systems but it's important that we accept everybody for who they are their background, what they believe in, and what steps they choose, to, they choose to take in our lives. It's not for us to judge anybody based on what they believe in. So we were thought to live in harmony and to really accept everybody in our community. And that was a big part in shaping a peace loving community. And so that was one fundamental difference I noticed between um, the mindset of a lot of Hindus that I knew. In my subparthi, and a mindset of a lot of the Muslims that I was around at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a jarring difference, right? It's, it's yes. the exact opposite. And did you respond to these things that were said to you? Did you ever say anything back and and or disagree or offer a different perspective?
2: Yes, I did. Um, it's Like you know, um, Islam um, is supposed to be a peace loving religion. So rather than talking about other religions in a bigotry manner why don't we focus on becoming better versions of ourselves um and they would sort of tell me like oh you know the message has already been spread to them they're choosing not to accept our message so we have to teach them in a harsh manner and when i heard this uh, coming from people that i was close to it um it kind of sent some shockwaves down my throat the kind of mindset that a lot of people around me had this dark mindset, this unhealthy and toxic mindset um, that a lot of my friends had. And yeah, it really um, it really, it it really sparked a lot of confusion in my mind.
1: Right, because these are your friends, and all of a sudden they're saying something that you had never heard them say before. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so when they said that back to you, that it sounds like that just really gave you some pause about what was going on. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I did. It sparked, um, a confusion, um, you know, in my mind. And I really thought as if, um, you know, this is supposed to be a peaceful religion. Um, and why can't everybody just peacefully practice their religion without having to degrade people of other religions? And, you know, part of me felt as if, uh, something was definitely off but my mind was choosing to um kind of ignore the way that i felt um and i felt like i was kind of pushing myself away from you know away from what my heart was trying to um, tell me
1: yeah yeah um those messages aside did you feel welcomed in the muslim community as a convert
2: yes i did feel welcomed um that was one positive um aspect in me becoming a Muslim. I felt very, um, they celebrated me um, at the mosque uh, when I first came in, um, but I, I did feel welcomed. Um, you know, they gave me, a lot of them gave me their, you know, contact information um, whenever I meet them. Um, you know, they were just a call away. Um, they kind of introduced me to circles, social circles I could be part of. So I definitely had felt welcomed. And um, had felt that maybe I could build a social connection with a lot of the people here.
1: Um, did you feel like you had had those social circles within your sampraday community before, or was this
2: different? Or you know, you know yeah, that's I felt like as as if I've never had that social connection or so. Um, I, I never really had a social circle in the Mandir that I went to my sampraday, and so I felt as if you know my life was going to turn around forever um, now that I was part of people who genuinely want to welcome me into their community.
1: And were there any um, particular, you know, it sounds like your friends played a huge role in this process for you, but were there any, you know, sort of community leaders or anyone else that was influential in, in this time period when you were becoming a part of that community?
2: Um, I didn't really have any influential figures, um, but I just had a few friends, one or two friends that I would talk to on a daily, regular basis who were asking me, um, you know, um, what I was learning about Islam. And um, I think that's kind of what built um, a stronger connection um, for me to Islam, because I had people who were checking up on me on a daily basis, um, asking me what I'd learned about Islam.
1: So it was really, you know, your peer group really. It was people that could relate to you and what you were going through and yes. and where where were you learning about Islam on a daily basis? How were you learning about it?
2: Yeah, so they would send me um they would send me videos of Islamic scholars talking about um, Islam. Um some videos for um you know reverts. Um and they would also send me a lot of comparative religion analysis videos. Um, comparing Islam and other religions, um, in a sense, um, it was more—it was more under the intention um, of me kind of um, pushing me a, a further away from Hinduism that I already was. Um, so they would send me a lot of comparative religious analysis videos, and I think the focus more so was directed towards me seeing illogical, um, illogical um, concepts and principles in other religions. And then kind of taking that and comparing those principles with Islam and for me to kind of see Islam in a, you know, in a, in a logical, um, in a logical light. So I think that was, you know, the intention that they had when they, when they sent, when they sent me like a lot of the resources and videos that they, um, that they sent me at the time.
1: And were these videos um, made for someone your age or were they kind of highly you know, hyper intellectual? Were they more sort of like pop intellectual? How would you describe like the flavor of these videos?
2: Yeah. So these videos were more so universal. It was for um, people of any age to watch. But um, in these videos, there were a lot of um, a lot of things I didn't understand. Um, And I, you know, and I, I kind of, um, these, a lot of these videos were about, um, you know, other religious texts, comparing those t- religious texts with the Quran. And some of these videos um, I found out were actually misleading. But um, the, a lot of these videos were more so intended for people who were kind of new to Islam. Um, and so I, you know, I felt as if, you know, these videos were, you know, kind of meant for Somebody who was in a similar circumstance as I was. So,
1: and were they like American voices? Were they, you know, who was speaking in these videos?
2: Um, so they weren't really any, um, not really anybody based in America, um, but more so um, Islamic scholars. Um, I'll name a few, like Zakir Naik. Um, a lot of other sheikhs can't really remember their names on the top of my head. But um, yeah, like other Islamic, controversial Islamic figures on the Internet uh, and a lot of videos that uh, videos that they would make for people who were new to Islam.
1: And did you ever come across a representation of Hinduism that immediately struck you as dishonest or inaccurate?
2: Yes. um, So, Zakir Nayak, a lot of his videos are question-answer sessions on Peace TV. So, a lot of Hindus have come onto his show and I got sent a lot of these questions, um, um, a lot of these videos and a lot of these questions that Zakir Nayak would answer. And um, a lot of it was about stereotypes in Islam. And I noticed that when he would answer these questions, he would immediately revert these stereotypes back to Hinduism. And um, a lot of things that he said about Hinduism, they were things that kind of got ingrained in my mind. I was like, you know, I never knew this. I never knew that. Am I being brainwashed? Am I being fed misinformation? What am I not being told? Um, And so that's really what started to spark um, you know more chains of doubts in my mind.
1: So you're watching these these videos every day, and there's disinformation in them. They're they're tailor made for you, um, and you're asking yourself, "Am I being brainwashed?" Now, looking back, do you think that you were being brainwashed?
0: Um.
2: Yes, I did. Um. I thought that, you know, my parents were feeding me misinformation about Hinduism, um, that they weren't telling me everything. And I felt as if I was learning things that I was never taught, and um, things that I was purposely not taught, And so I thought that these videos were kind of doing a service to me.
1: So this then shifted your relationship or how you were thinking about your parents? Yes. How did that play out? in terms of how you were interacting with them
2: every time my parents would ask me to do basic things um, such as you know divo um, that we do every evening in my house um, going into the prayer room getting things i felt as if i could not do those things because um, i was betraying my religion i was betraying my religious practices as a muslim um, and i was betraying the duty that i had as a devout muslim and everything I was told by my peers so So that kind of affected the way that I, you know, kind of listened um, to the listen to my parents. And, um, you know, it kind of, you know, it kind of um, made me a little bit frustrated towards, um, you know, my parents.
1: And did they pick up on this? How did they engage with this frustration?
2: I don't think they really picked up on the frustration because I would I felt like I did a good job at kind of um, containing that frustration or kind of limiting it. But my mom definitely saw a change in me and, um, you know, I felt like as if she expected it because she knew that I was going through this phase in my life. But I didn't I like she she, I I, like she didn't know the severity of um, of the questions that I had and what I had done. But I think my parents, um, part of um, part of my parents, um, they definitely knew part of them definitely knew that there was something going on in my mind, but they didn't understand the full severity of what actually, you know, what, what act, um, what was actually going through, going through my mind and the severity of my actions.
1: Yeah. I mean, exactly. Not just what was going on in your mind, but what was happening in your life, um, out in the world. Do you have any siblings?
2: Yes. I have an older sister.
1: And did your older sister, was she, is she aware of, of all of this? Yes.
2: So she was the old, one of the, few people in the, the only person in my life matter of fact that kind of knew the, that kind of um that kind of um you know understood closest um you know kind of understood what i was going through um she understood um not the full severity but part um part of you know the questions that were being you know um sparked in my mind she she kind of um she kind of understood I was in this phase where I was kind of like, you know, analyzing religions and, you know, kind of taking what religion, kind of taking religions and like, you know, kind of incorporating it in my mind and understanding what religion really sounds right to me. And I would have these conversations with her and she would be really open to having these conversations. So she was one person in my life that I, you know, I felt as if I could have these conversations with.
1: And And she knows that you converted.
2: No, she does not.
1: She doesn't know. So she knew kind of up until, you know, the point of you being unsure and clear or dissatisfied. Um, and, And to this day, she doesn't know. No. What, what ultimately, because at some point, you know, we're sitting here and talking, what ultimately led you to decide, you know, something shifted in you and you decided maybe this wasn't for you. What, what led to that? What led to that shift?
2: Yeah, so um, um, an unideal fashion um, that that all happened in. um, on Instagram, social media. Um, there was a particular Instagram post that I came across. Somebody that I know and I still talk to um, to this day. Um, and I, um, one of my friends had said something. Um, that was um, bigotry and something that was, um, something that was um, Hindu phobic, attacking, um, you know, attacking um, a Hindu figure, a Hindu goddess. Um, and I felt as if I had to like kind of um, follow him in a sense. I had to do what he was doing to prove that I was a devout Muslim. So um, I said a couple of things about Hinduism um, under an Instagram post. And I ran and somebody saw my comment um, and he replied to me and we got into an argument and he um, eventually he asked me whether I wanted to debate him on an Instagram live. And I agreed to it because I was like, all right, like, you know, I don't think he really knows that much about Hinduism because if um, me growing up in such a religious household and environment, if I chose to leave Hinduism, like, what is he like, who is he to tell me? that you know the faith that i left you know was an ideal faith in my life what does he know about hinduism so let me debate him um i probably know more than i probably know more than he does um and so i got on instagram live with him and um had a conversation with him and as time went on and went on and went on i realized that he had a very unique perspective about Hinduism or perspective about Hinduism that never that that never really that um that I never really got introduced to. And so I realized that maybe I was looking at Hinduism in the wrong light. And um he started telling me things about Islam and he was telling me about how he was in the same position as I was. He he went through something similar in his life. And this Kind of um, this re- this this really sent shockwaves down me and I was like, you know, he went through the same thing that I did, and now we're having this conversation. And um, I ultimately came to the realization that I had really rushed a decision into my life. Um, and I can't really call it the wrong decision because I still need more time to think about that. But I had really forced something down my throat that I was not ready to um. I was, not ready to, um, I, I was not ready to accept. And so I started coming to the realization that maybe I needed more time um, and not necessarily for me to revert back to Hinduism for, or for me to become a Hindu again, but for me to really embark on a journey. And obviously it's going to be a long and treacherous journey full of ups and downs because I'm seeking for the truth. Um, but I knew that I had taken a little um I'd taken a step that I was not already taking my life. And I felt, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, taken back from this decision. So after having had that conversation with him, it kind of opened my eyes.
0: We'll leave part one there. Here's a snippet of what you'll hear in part two.
1: If I understand correctly, the catalyst for all of this was you feeling compelled to sort of say hindophobic things on social media in order to prove your your allegiance to Islam, what were some of the things that you found yourself saying or being asked to say about Hinduism or India or anything really in order to prove that allegiance?
2: Hindu rhetoric, you know, the basic things, the you know, the common Hindu stereotypes, um, worshipping cows, um, worshipping idols, uh, making a mockery out of those practices. About India, I felt I felt as if I had to develop a different, political perspective. I was told that I had to um, denounce my um, my opinions that I had about politics in India. I had to change my opinions that I had about politics in India. I felt as if I had to denounce India. And this wasn't something that I was told. I felt like it was more of an indirect message that I was being sent. I had to completely denounce any um connection or any kind of um any like my my heritage with my motherland i was told that india in you know a sense in a practical sense i could never um i could never call india my motherland because muslims are being oppressed in india
0: that's it for this episode of that's so hindu if you enjoyed it please take a minute and leave us a nice five-star review it's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners you can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to haf at hinduamerican.org donate thanks again for listening